Okay, um, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to be in the first three verses this morning. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one right in front of you in the chair. It's on page 1275, the Pew Bible there. Today we're going to continue our study into the book of Hebrews. It is a complex and, and challenging book with some, some difficult uh, to understand sections, but it has a message that is as relevant today as when it was written. And if I could boil it down to two words, it would be choices and endurance. Choices and endurance. Choices and in endurance. Uh, the people that this letter were written to were living in challenging times. Many of them were recent converts to Christianity. Uh, most of them had spent their lives following the old Jewish uh, religion of law. But, the, but the, the gospel of Christ was a, was a huge departure from that old system, and this created a huge divide between those who continued in Judaism and, and those who had converted to Christianity. And, and those who Judaism uh, faced great difficulty. They felt a lot of pressure. Uh, the Jewish leaders who had put uh, Christ to death were, were still after his followers. There was much persecution. They were still intent to uh, eradicate these rebellious heretics as they viewed them. They were run out of the temple. They were, they were kept from many of the social aspects of, of temple life. Um, the Hebrew believers also faced the pressures of being disowned by family. Uh, all of those outside pressures to conform, to get back in line and, and, and ridiculed for their belief. Well, you're, you're out, way outside of what the church leaders uh, have said. Come on, you, you can't really believe all that, can you? The outside pressure just intensified the, the inside pressure that they already felt. Being raised with a, a certain set of beliefs and then to have to, to go in another direction. For many, they had a hard time letting go of of some of their old ways. Some began to question the gospel message. Some tried to, to mix a little bit of the old with the new. Um, others were just walking away from Christ altogether and just going back to what they knew. So the writer to the Hebrews was, writes to them to, to help set things straight for them. He says, you seem to be stuck between two choices, Judaism and, and Jesus. And then the the writer goes on to tell them how Jesus is the best choice. Really, once you consider, consider everything, he's really the, the only choice. Jesus is superior to anything and, and to everything. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to make uh, the case for the supremacy of Christ. Last week, we did a, a bit of a flyover, uh, the major points of the letter. This week, we're going to start looking at some of the particulars uh, today, we're going to go through the first few verses and uh, see that Jesus is, is God's Son. And because of that, He is the, the ultimate authority. So let's begin, and let's read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, page 1275 of the Pew Bible. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, there's a lot in those, those first three verses, and we're going to go through it and, uh, and uh, learn and understand what, what it all means there. Um, the verse, first two verses, uh, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Starting right off of those first two verses, the writer divides history into two ages, B.C. and A.C., before Christ and after Christ. He calls the time before Christ as long ago. In the NIV, it says the past. In the King James, it says in times past. The Greek word is pale, and it means long ago in times past, former, the former. During that time, God used prophets to reveal his message to the people. That's what's recorded in in the Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. But Jesus initiated a new era, a new covenant between God and people. He calls that time the last days. The the Septuagint, the the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, used that same phrase to describe the messianic time to come. The Jews of Jesus' day believed that the coming Messiah would usher in God's kingdom. They believed that. Um, Of course, they were hoping for a political or a a military power that would free them from the bondage of the Romans, that that would bring back the glory uh, uh, days of of David and Solomon. They believed that this, this coming Messiah would bring peace to the world earthly peace. The writer is letting them know that Jesus the Messiah had indeed brought the long-awaited age, that we are now in A.C., after Christ. But Jesus was bringing a a spiritual peace and a spiritual kingdom. Now they're faced with some important decisions, some important choices that need to be made, the choice between the earthly and the spiritual, the choice between the messengers of times past or or the one of the last days. The writer would lay out uh, why A.C., why after Christ Jesus is supreme. Choosing Jesus is the best choice that can be made. But before that, he reminds them of B.C., before Christ. God spoke to our fathers many times and and in many ways. He spoke to our fathers. These people were Jewish. They would have been very familiar with the God of their fathers. They would have known of their lives and the stories of what God had told them and and that he would make a great nation because of what God told Abraham. And Moses had had been used by God to lead them out of Egypt and God had guided them into the promised land. They would have known all of these things. God had spoken to our fathers. They would have known all of these stories. Many times they would have been well aware of the progressive revelation of of God himself. The Old Testament was written in 39 different books. Over the course of maybe 1,800 years, God slowly revealed himself in many ways, many times, each reflecting different different historical times, cultural uh, cultures, uh, locations, and, and different situations. God had been speaking and revealing more and more about himself and his plan as, as time went on. 
All of their Jewish ancestors had put their faith in this one true God. The long history of God revealing himself to us. He, he spoke to our fathers many times. In many ways. God has spoken to the people in many ways too. It says by the prophets. The prophets included those special spokespersons of, of God. Those who, who wrote many of the, the, the Old Testament books. But it also included many who, who may not have actually wrote the stories, the, the books of the, the Bible, but they were the key people that were written about. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. These, these prophets revealed what God had told them, delivered his messages. They also told what, God, uh, what they had learned uh, about God as he interacted with them. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 um, 2 Peter 1, 20-21 explains, explains that uh, believers can trust these prophets' words. It says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They and, and we can trust what they wrote because, because it's not really from them. Those, those messages that they delivered, the words that they wrote weren't really their own. They were, they were from God himself through the Holy Spirit. So we can trust them. They could trust them. God used these prophets as his mouthpiece to deliver his message. And that message was delivered to these prophets in, in many ways, it says. And visions, Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, you see Isaiah's vision as he saw God on his throne. He saw the seraphim that were, were, were all around crying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah, as he's there, he, he says, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. He's, he's confronted. As he's confronted by the holiness of God, he, he realizes how unclean he is, his, his sin. And I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Lord takes the burning coal and touches his lips and says, um, your sins have been taken away. Isaiah, as he's there, and he, he sees uh, the glory of God, you know, and the Lord says, whom shall we send? And who shall go? Isaiah says, send me. All in a vision that he sees of the Lord. And dreams, Jacob. As he sees, as he has his dream and he sees the ladder reaching into the heavens in Genesis 28. Uh, the angels going up and down shows God's personal involvement in the affairs of the earth. And personally, Abraham and Moses, Genesis 18, is, is uh, in his tent, God promised Abraham the, the birth of Isaac. Even in his old age, the nations of the earth would be blessed. Exodus 31, 18, Moses received, received the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God after God had finished speaking to him at Mount Sinai. They, they had personal interactions with the Lord. And through object lessons, Jeremiah 13, as, as he calls for uh, the nation to repent, um, he uses the object lesson of the ruined loincloth, uh, symbolizing the relationship with God. It was supposed to be close and intimate but it had been ruined by filth. Now it was good for nothing. With jars filled with wine, symbolizing the people and their sin, 
Wine causes drunkenness. People that are drunk stumble around. He said they would also stumble around, dazed, stumble in the darkness. They would eventually be destroyed because of it. Hosea, 1 through 3, the, he, the Lord has the prophet marry a, and keep an unfaithful wife. She bore children, and, and the Lord gave them their names. You shall call them this, Jezreel, no mercy, not my people. The vivid picture of the nation's adulterous behavior toward God. Even after, after she leaves him, he is told to go get her, to redeem her. Object lessons that the Lord used to reveal himself to people, to his people. Physical manifest, manifestations, Exodus 13, as, as he led them through the wilderness as, as, a, as a pillar of cloud to lead them by day and a, a pillar of fire to lead them by night. The Jews readily accepted the ways that God had spoken before, many different ways. They had no issue with accepting all of these facts. But the writer of Hebrews says that they, that was B.C. That was before Christ. And times passed. He says now, in, in these last days, he's not doing that. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. We're now A.C., after Christ. In the Old Testament, the revelation of God's nature was intermittent. And it, it created an expectation that God was still going to reveal himself fully. God would reveal himself a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And so they had this expectation that he would continue, that he still hadn't revealed all of himself. So the Jews wouldn't find it difficult to believe that he was still revealing himself in new ways. The prophet spoke of the coming Messiah in his kingdom, but, but most Jews rejected Jesus as the one that they had been waiting for. And even those who accepted, had, had, had accepted Christ, had come to faith in Christ, still struggled with this. They were well-versed in Scripture. They had professed faith in Christ. But because of persecution of false teaching, doubt was creeping in for many of them. Many were in danger of, of giving up their Christian faith, returning to Judaism. This letter was meant to show them that, that going back to an inferior system would be foolish. Jesus Christ not only fulfills the promises and the prophecies of the Old Testament, but he is also better than everything that is in the Jewish system. When we know Christ, we have all that we need to be saved from our sin be reconciled with God. Jesus is, is not just another prophet. He is the perfect expression of God. God will never have to send another messenger because Jesus revealed everything about God that we need to know. We don't, we don't need to know anything more about God to be saved and reconciled to him. Jesus revealed everything that we need to know. So the writer lays out what makes Jesus superior to anything else. He says, first, he is the son. This is not just a, a man or, or a prophet called by God. He is the very son of God. And as the son of God, he is appointed heir to all things. As a son, he's entitled to an inheritance from his father. In Psalm 2.8, the son asks God for the nations to be given to him. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession, it says. 
He has a, a place of position and honor. People of that time would have clearly understood this. As heir of all things, he would have been the ruler of the new kingdom. Everything that exists would one day come under his control. He was the heir of all things. Through him, he created the world. John 1, 2-3 says, He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was active at the beginning as the agent of creation, and he will act at the end of time as the heir, as the heir. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Radiance. Apogasma. Apogasma. To send forth light. No one can see God and live. Moses had to hide himself in the cleft of the rock when, as, as God passed by, right? As the glory of, of the God passed by. The only radiance from God that we can see is through Christ. We would never be able to see or enjoy God's light if we didn't have Jesus to look at. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever, is fo- whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just as the rays of the sun light and warm the earth, so does Jesus as a glorious light of God shining into the hearts of men. We're reminded of that even today as we look out and see the sunshine. Glorious reminder, the sun shining down on us as he warms us. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and can transmit that light into your life and into my life. And then we take and radiate that, that light out into the world. That's what we're called to do, right? We live in a dark world and God sent his glorious light into it. Without the Son of God, there would only be darkness. Not only is Jesus the radiance of God's glory, he is also the exact imprint of his nature. The Greek term is used for the impression made by a die or a stamp or a seal, like a, like a signet ring. He is the perfect personal imprint of God in time and space. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. The Greek word for imprint is uh, caricature. Our English word, character. Character. We get a perfect picture of the character of God when we see Jesus. He came into the world and he portrayed God to the people by his words, by his actions. No one can know God apart from Christ because we know God by knowing Christ. John 14. John 14, 8 through 11. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, I have, been, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? 
The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. If you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. All you have to do is look at Jesus. He upholds the universe by the power, the word of his power. Christ not only created the universe, he also sustains it. He holds it together. Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The universe and everything in it are constantly being sustained by him. We base our entire lives on the, the, on the, the constancy of laws. We call them the laws of nature. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if Jesus relinquished his sustaining power over the laws of the universe? Just imagine that for a moment. If he suspended gravity for just a moment, he's holding everything together by the power of his word. The earth rotates and spins on its axis. I can't remember how many thousands of miles an hour it's spinning as it's hurtling through space around the sun, and as, as our, our solar system is, is hurtling through space. Gravity is what's keeping us right here. What would happen if, if Jesus suspended gravity for just, just a moment? We would, we would be flung out into space. The whole world would, would be ripped apart. How many things must be kept in perfect balance? The winds, the tides, the atmosphere, the makeup of the very air that we breathe has to be exactly right. Not too little, not too much. It has to be just right. It's the only, the Earth is the only planet, the universe, that contains life. Why? Because Jesus is holding everything together by the word of his power. How does the universe stay in such fantastic, delicate balance? Because Jesus Christ sustains and holds it all together. Because he sustains everything, nothing in creation is independent from him. Christ, the preeminent power, maintains it all. He upholds the universe by the power of his word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's the reason that Jesus came. Jesus cleansed his people from the ugly stain of sin. Sin destroys our ability to know or, or to even approach God. But Christ's redemptive work on the cross takes care of all of that. Our sins are forgiven. He cleanses us. He, he wipes our records clean. 1 John 2, 2, he is a propitiation for our sins. Not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. Unlike the sacrificial system of old, his sacrifice is forever. He sits down because the, that redemptive work is completed. Earthly priests had to, had to stand, keep offering sacrifices for the people. Not only for the people, but they had to offer sacrifices for themselves. Their work was, was never finished. But Jesus Christ was final. His was one and done. It was complete. 
His was enough for all people and for all of eternity. Jesus was the superior sacrifice. There is none greater than him. With that work completed, he sits at the right hand of God. The right hand man. The place of power and authority and and honor. Psalm 110.1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This gives a a picture of of Christ's power and authority over heaven and earth. The argument is, from the, the Hebrew writer, is don't go back. Consider all of those things. Just those three verses. Consider that. Don't go back. All these things point to the supremacy of Christ. The writer's trying to show these believers not to accept a substitute. To not try to add to it. To to not try to take away from it. To not try to hold out for something better. Because there is nothing better. Not to return to the old ways. Why Why would you go back to the old system? In the last days, God has provided the best way. The only way. Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why would you not accept him? Why would you go back? That's the choice that the Hebrews are faced with. It's the reason for the letter, the time, the difficulty that they were living in, the persecution, doubts, all of that choices that they had to make the choices even today we look at this and we say well yeah obviously choose jesus i mean who would choose to 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 go back to to having to give sacrifices i mean to have to 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 pilgrimage to the to the temple i mean who would want to have to go back to that i mean that's ridiculous who could imagine that the constant law-keeping, which the, the Pharisees grew to be 613 laws. Can you imagine that? Having to try to keep 613 laws. We have a hard enough time with 10. Why would, who would want to only have the prophets share what God told them? When you could hear from God himself through Jesus. Why get a second hand when you can hear it right from him? Having the very words of Jesus is is way better than visions or dreams. The object lessons that Jesus taught in the parables are are easy for us to understand. Glad that we have those. We can learn those lessons. Those came from Jesus. Why would you want to to go back to an abstract about taking a loincloth and go bury it in the dirt? Yeah, we can extract the truth of that, but... Jesus lays it out much clearer for us, doesn't he? Why would you settle for anything else than Jesus? Right? Right? Well, it's easy for us to say that. But do we actually believe like we believe that? Do our lives really show that we choose only Jesus? Seems to me that we still have some of those same B, C, and A, C choices. B, C, philosophy, psychology, 
intellectualism. How many people choose to follow after philosophy rather than Jesus? Those who turn to the enlightenment of men, Confucius, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Dante, Pascal, John Locke, and Voltaire. How about even modern day? Chomsky, Jordan Peterson, Steven Pinker. How many people follow after them who look to them for wisdom? Colossians. Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ, philosophy, psychology, intellectualism, how many people follow that instead of Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but if I really need to know something, turn there. Or how about self-help books? I mean, just Google self-help books. Millions of them out there. The mountain is you. You're the problem. Happy mind, happy life. The power of letting go. The butterfly effect. Get out of your own way. The power of habit. How about even a Christian type self-help book? Have your best life now. Many people have bookcases filled with motivational books. They have no problem recommending one to somebody. Maybe, maybe they have some helpful information. But how about the real self-help book? How about the real self-help book? The Bible. 2 Peter 1.3 Everything that we need to know for life and godliness is found in here. Do you, know, do you want to know how to be a better anything? How to be a better husband, better wife, better, better father, better, better mother, a better child, a better student, better leader, a better business person, a, a better employee, a better employer. How to be a saver, how to be a giver, to be an investor, to be a speaker, to be a listener. God's Word and the words of Christ will tell you everything that you need to know. Why are you wasting your time with substitutes? Why? Self-help books. Religion. People who are so stuck on the tradition of men. They miss out on the fullness of God. We do it this way because, well, we've always done it this way. You have to have communion the first Sunday of every month. Have to have communion the first Sunday of every month. That's what we do. You must tithe 10% or you're not a good Christian. You're just not a good Christian unless you're tithing 10%. Well, you know what? You've been here for like three months now. I think it's time for you to take membership class. You're 15 now, and I think it's about time that you got baptized. You're 15. Everyone else is doing it. The rest of the youth group, they're all getting baptized next week. We're going to go ahead and sign you up because that's what you do. 
No real understanding of why, except that's what their religion says. Law-keeping that is really robbing them of the true joy of the Lord. And then the NAR nuttiness. The new apostolic reformation that has emerged in the last several years. The charismatic of yesterday, now on steroids with a, with a shot of adrenaline. They believe that we've entered a, a new age. The time of the, the apostles has been restored. There are, are new apostles now with a, a new revelation. They have a new word from the Lord. But don't get excited. It's not for everyone. It's only for a few select special people. If you really want to experience God, well, then you just have to, you have to get with them. You have to follow them because they're the ones with the answer now. They've got a, a fresh word. They have a fresh word that will really get you in touch with the Spirit. Angel feathers will fall from the rafters to, to, to give proof that they were there. People roll around on the floor drunk in the Spirit. Signs, wonders, visions, dreams, emotions, guides it all. A movement being generated by same, some of the same old false teaching that has been around for ages. It is not new. It is not apostolic. It is not reformation. It is old. It is demonic. And it is destructive. It dishonors the Holy Spirit. It dishonors the Word of God. It dishonors Jesus. John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You need a new word? Jesus ain't enough? Deuteronomy 4.2 do not, do not add to what I commanded you. Do not subtract from, from it. But keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Proverbs 30.5-6 Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Revelation 22, 18 through 19 warns us, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share from the tree of life. But in spite these warnings, there are many who reject the truth. They make the choice to follow after a lie. To go after the NAR nuttiness, self-help books, philosophy, religion. God says that his son is preeminent in all things. Anyone that says Jesus Christ is anything else makes God out to be a liar. What does this mean to us? It means everything. It means everything. To reject Jesus is to be shut out from his presence. You can't go back or, uh, or to stay with a religion of law-keeping. You can't make a, a hybrid Jesus either. You can't take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of New Age, put it all together. You can't make a hybrid Jesus. It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. 
definitely can't create a, a new religion and add to God's word. You must receive Christ for who the Father says he is. If you want to enter into all that he is and all that he has. Jesus, the word of God, must be your choice for all wisdom. Why would you accept anything else? Why would you accept anything less? There is really no other choice. He is the Son of God, the Creator, the Sustainer who holds everything together by the power of His Word. Propitiation for our sins, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the world. One and done. You don't have to keep going back. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's done. He says, whoever the Father gives to me, no one can take away. They're his forever. You don't have to, you don't have to, to, to say that prayer every time, every week. Once you're his, you're always his. Your sins are forgiven. Every sin that you ever committed, every sin that you will ever commit have been forgiven through his sacrifice you don't have to do anything to earn it you can't earn it his work is done it's complete he's sitting on his throne the right hand of god the father he has a a place of authority power he is the heir of everything all of creation will come under his authority one day when he returns. And he will set everything new. Why? Why would you choose anything else but Jesus? There is no other choice. Jesus is God's son. He is the ultimate authority. Jesus, Jesus. There is just something about that name. Amen? There's no other name by which, by which we can be saved. Why would you choose anything else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your Son. We thank you that times past you, you spoke in many times and in many ways you slowly revealed yourself over, over time. But in these last days, you sent your Son into the world. If we want to know what you are like, all we have to do is look to Him. I pray that when we're faced with those choices, even in our lives, whether to go after philosophy self-help, religion, or a false religion that adds to your word, we're faced with those choices that we would reject that, that we would choose the supreme authority, your Son, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus, we pray that you would reveal yourself in a mighty way in the lives of each and every person here. That the truth of the glory of God would, would shine through and into their lives. That they would take that light and they would take it out into the world and they would, would reflect it to the world so that, that, the, that the world would see you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us, caring for us, and coming to die for our sins once and for all. Pray that you would always receive the glory that you deserve. Thank you for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.